joining me today is a wonderful, bright young filmmaker from New York City, although she is from the Dovia. And yeah, Natalie Karina. Did I pronounce it correctly? She said it right. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Natalie and I have known each other for, like probably for the past year or so, especially going on with the pandemic. And I've been like almost a uh, champion of her work, especially seeing her uh, first short film. Well, not first short film, but first feature short film that she did, you know, post college called Jump, which will which will we be talking about a little later. But yeah, Natalie, uh, Natalina, uh, thank you for coming on to the uh, podcast. Uh, how did you get into filmmaking? Hey, uh, thank you for inviting me today. Of course. Uh, so uh, <laughs> my filmmaking, my journey to filmmaking, it's uh, you know an unusual one. I never um, thought that I'm going to be a filmmaker. You know, sometimes children, you know, like you know, people are like. They always knew what they wanted to be when they grow up. You hear that all the time. Oh, as a child, I wanted to be this or that. In my case, filmmaking was never part of my dream. You know, I actually did journalism back home. I have a bachelor degree in journalism, and I even um, worked as a, briefly as a journalist, a journalist on a, a radio station. So filmmaking came much later on when I came to New York City. You know, I wanted to do initially i wanted to do a master's degree you know i wanted to continue my um, yeah journey and then you probably know this i don't know if you know this but in uh, you know in the usa a european diplomas are not recognized are not accepted yeah so um i don't yeah i don't know why that is because you know it, uh, it's a weird thing so so I'm not going to even get into that because it's a long story. So I was like, uh, they were like, oh, if you want to do a master's degree, you have to complete your uh, bachelor degree. So I was like, they want to to take uh, the same classes, you know. So for me at the time, um, it didn't make sense to study the same subjects again. So I was, I, I was eager to, to learn something new. Hmm. That's how uh, I came to filmmaking. Uh, I was like, you know, I, I'm going to take a few, because at first there was like a few liberal arts classes, and I was like, let me take a class that was called, I think, Introduction to Film, or yeah. History of uh, Cinema, something like that. Which is usually like the like the same class, just like labeled differently, you know, like when you hear Intro to Film, or like something that's usually like one-on-one, well, 100, that's essentially the same class. It's just that they probably label it uh, differently. Right. Every, I think every college has a different uh, name for it, but essentially you study the same thing. Yeah. So uh, I really liked it, and I um, I studied for like almost four years, and that's how I, um, that's what I'm here today, you know. But I, I love it, you know. So for me, it was like a soul-searching kind of thing. I yeah. guess it's much later on. And um, I think it was meant to be, you know, I think that the journalism, because journalism is also, you know, it's something, it's also you're telling a story, right? It's yeah. just not fiction, right? Because journalists tell the truth, you have, a, you know, different ethics goes into that profession. For a filmmaker, you have a much, um, you have more freedom, you know, especially yeah. the, uh, fiction films, as you know. 
uh, even though I made some documentaries uh, as part of the college, you know, curriculum. Yeah. I uh, I love making fiction films, and Jump is uh, indeed my first film after college, and it's um, it's a 19 minutes film, a short, and it's um, it was more like an experiment for me. You know, it's I'm still trying to find my voice, trying to figure out what I want to do, what kind of genre films I want to do. Uh, what subjects because i'm i'm really passionate about the human condition the, yeah. the psychological aspects of uh, you know the human psych so which i can see already in jump so yeah exactly right jump is very subtle and it's um it explores the idea of the human psych and also the disconnection from uh, from the self and um yeah, I mean, yeah, right now Jump is, as you know, uh, at various film festivals and the pandemic, the screenings were mostly online. And uh, for the first time, we're going to have an um, in-person screening this October. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, October 21st. And um, yeah, let's see how that uh, how that plays out. Uh, I think, and uh, right now, uh, we're filming this like in the, like, uh, we're, we're filming this like a month before that, you know, those uh, festivals really hit. And one of the one of the uh, places is the Producers Club, and I, I've been to Producers Club as an actor and as a uh, uh, patron to see my friends' show, to act in a show. And the Producers Club is actually a wonderful place if you need to do something like uh, independent. Uh, owned or produced an independent show in new york city because not only is it a uh a good place to use as a theater especially if you are in a theater uh theater uh mindset like i am because filmmaking because it, it's weird because my passion is uh, a theater obviously uh, I can't really stress it enough, but filmmaking has been a new passion of mine for the past, like, say, past couple of years, especially going to Brooklyn College and studying all, study, studying all that stuff and essentially going into uh, podcasting as a, like, almost as a personal hobby of mine slash side hustle slash what have you call it. And it's like what you said before, it's like there are things that you just find that are passions of yours that may not come up into your life until much much later you know you may have like a goal into say oh i want to become a writer right and but you know your background might be in as oh it's might be in english writing so you might be have like a novelist type of approach but like over the long you know over the years you may take a screenwriting class because you know screenwriting is writing and Sure enough, you might find a, I want to say like a like a a love for writing scripted formats and all that stuff too. So yeah, it definitely feels like once you go into college and find yourself, it's like relatively easy. Uh, you mentioned that you were a journalist at your radio station. I was a journalist at my radio station. Shout out to WBCR. Uh, I mean BC. Yeah, WBCR, Brooklyn College Radio. And it was fun because I was actually editing my own stories with my own news team, uh, sending out 
you know, leads and stuff like that too. Uh, you know, it was fun for the first half of the, of I want to say the first, you know, the first half, which was the fall semester. And then going into the spring semester, I had this like notion of, oh, I want to do a lot of stuff. And then boom, the pandemic hit and we couldn't just do everything. Uh, we had to do essentially everything on a computer, all that stuff, like literally at home. So it kind of like put a damper on things because the last story that I was trying to do before the pandemic struck was that the day of like maybe a week or two beforehand, the library at Brooklyn College happened to shut down, not like shut down because they had put all the uh, uh, part-time professors in there because they didn't have an office. So as a journalist, I was like, oh man, this is a good idea for a story. And then as I was trying to get everything uh, like formatted and everything, the next day, oh, by the way, that's all fixed now. I'm like, <laughs> so you can imagine like me trying to format a story about how, you know, essentially all the students couldn't really use a particular room in the library because all the uh, part-time adjuncts, yeah, part-time adjuncts, the professors were like, <laughs> like literally using that thing so i imagine you know being a journalist at your radio station it was fun but at the same time it was also like oops sorry hang on oh, sorry uh i heard my uh, my parents in the background uh but yeah i imagined if you were i imagine that your journalism at your school they probably gave you like you know you know find a story for each week and then at the end and then the following week you edit that story yeah. put it into newspaper and then the following week i mean and then right as you're done with that story we set you up with a new story for next week so we we had to to do everything right we had to go in the field and find because i was in the news department and it was um I worked both in the uh, in the on the campus, but also on the national uh, radio. You know, outside college, even though I was still a student. And oh, nice. Yeah, so we had to to go in the field, find the story, come back to the studio. You know, you have to write it in a news format. If you have to shoot something, anyway. Right. But to because we will talk about jump, uh, we'll get into jump and. You know, oh yeah, we will. You know. Uh -huh. yeah. In depth, but about you know about my journal, uh, my journalistic background is that yeah, like we used to go in the field, uh, find the story, then come back and write it in a news format, and then on the same day we had to record it, you know, and uh, uh, be live on the on the news, you know. Um, but again, it was on the radio, so it's 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 different, you know. Like filmmaking is, I think, is more creative, you know, earlier. Yeah. And especially with fiction films, you can use your imagination and uh, you know make make up a story, you know, uh, based on on any subject you like. And with jump, that's exactly what I did. You know, jump is uh, it's not just a clown story. You know, I mean, yeah. it is uh, you know the protagonist. It is is a middle-aged party clown who goes through these existential crises and. Um, you know, I think, you know, he comes to, he comes to the realization that his dreams would never come true, you know, his yeah. child and he's having an honest conversation with himself, which 
himself being the little girl, you know, thanks to this little yeah. girl, we have access to his, uh, you know, to his thoughts, his emotions, and what he's truly thinking about himself, you know, because he, you can see a lot of self-loathing and, you know, regret, you know, he's thinking about whatever, you know, about his past, because it's been like 20 years, like you can see in the beginning of the film, that he's a child and he wants to be a magician, right? It's very subtle, so you really yeah. have to jump, you really have to watch it at least twice to to understand its meaning, you know, because it's really subtle, it's not, you know, right there, and it's, um, it's psychological. So every time, even every time I watched it, I, I found, you know, new meaning, because there's a lot of symbols there, it's you not know, the fire and the clown nose, and yeah. yeah, I don't want to say too much, so I don't want to spoil it. You, you don't have to, even though it is your film. But you know, people, uh, yeah. you know, once this film gets on to a point where it's like it is on stream, uh, streaming, it is you know streaming on YouTube and stuff like that too. You definitely do want to have people like watch the film for themselves. But yeah, and have their own interpretation. You know, because as a director, I can't uh, tell people what to think, even though you know. There was a message and I, you know, I, I wrote the screenplay and I know what this film is about and what it means. Uh, at the same time, I want people to have their own interpretation because like based on the feedback that I got uh, back in, I think, March, you know, when uh, my film premiered at the Berlin um, Liftoff, right? Um, everyone had a different uh, interpretation of this, of the film. And that was, uh, that is fascinating, you know, and a lot of people identify with, uh, the main character, you know. Yeah. Um, like, like you were just saying, like you, what you just said was that essentially, I, you know, I, 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 you know, I have my own personal interpretation, which was probably it was more along the lines of his, uh, what's we call it, his, like, like his past, not really catching up with himself, but just like his past, just like haunting him of like his past failures and whatnot. Like, that's my interpretation. But, you know, when when I do see the thing again, it's probably going to be like, uh, it'll probably be a different interpretation to what I previously had, because, you know, like what you just said before, you know, each time when you watch a film, there's always a different interpretation of what you see as an either, you know, I, you know, with me, it's like I try to see my, you know, I try to see some of the stuff I see as a, you know, I try my hand with screenwriting. So I do have, you know, I've written a couple of things that have been successfully put into film and, you know, as a screenwriter, you know, it's not really the best work I probably have done, but the actors doing the interpretation has made it, you know, into something that's like, oh, okay, that's even incredible, you know, they're able to do all that stuff. But as a screenwriter, I'll probably, you know, I'll be watching the film, and like, you know, if I was that writer, I'd probably be done that more differently, but but then when I'm watching films as, as a regular person, like maybe a film, like this as a regular person, it's like, for some reason, it's like these two different sides, where it's like the, the, what I've learned as a streamer and what I've learned as a regular filmmaker, uh, not filmmaker, just a regular film goer, you know, it kind of like intermixes with one another. So, you know, last time I might have one interpretation of, of your short film 
And then next time when I see it, I'll probably had way more different uh, interpretation where I had the last time where it's just like, you know, there's also a couple of things I probably noticed, didn't notice the first time that I noticed the second time. So, yeah, it, it, de- it definitely does help when you watch something uh, not like on a second or third viewing, especially if it's like a short film, because short, like short films are even though short films are like, you know, 15, 20 minutes, sometimes even longer than that, like maybe even 45 minutes to an hour. You do have to like maybe rewatch these short films a few times over to notice things that you haven't noticed before. You know, uh, that's one of the things that I learned in uh, my intro classes was that we watched all these short films that would see, you know, would be very minute in in terms of like length and like maybe maybe you know ten minutes, five minutes, something like that too. So like traditional short films. And then we, we were talking about it like after the class and I would imagine like it's the same thing where it's like if you have shown your if you have shown your short film or any and every your short films to a class, they will probably have different other uh, like interpretations to what, you know, you know, because, you know, interpretations because, you know, it's an intro class and all that stuff, too. You know, I feel like we also because we are in this field, you know, as an actor and you know, as a filmmaker, um, I think we watch films differently, you know, than let's say someone who doesn't work this film, you know, because yeah. we can we can see, you know, certain mistakes and we can see how a certain shot was taken or how a scene was, you know, edited. So it's, I think it's a, it's a different experience, you know, uh, like I could you know, I can watch Jump and I know exactly well because, you know, I was on set too, but even, you know, professionals can, you know, can, um, I mean, mostly when it comes to technical aspects, you know, like right now, for example, when I watch a movie, I can't really enjoy it uh, <laughs> the same way as I used to before because I can, you know, analyze and I can see, oh, you know, this shot was taken this way, you know. Yeah. Taking this way, so it took the joy out of. <laughs> out it does, of it, it does. A good, uh, a good thing was that a few nights ago you were watching Titanic, and I kind of like messaged you. You was like, it, it's like, I kind of brought up the notion of, uh, you know, there, there was like more room for Jack on the on the thing, and there's and you probably and I think you said like, but as you know, it's like that's just how the thing was written and all that stuff. But I imagine like now as a filmmaker, you watch something. Especially if it's old, especially if it's like an older film, and go, you know, I love this movie, but I, I would probably have done this more differently if I had, you know, directed it or wrote it. You look for the logic, you know, because even though it's a fiction film, you know, there's the couple, right? Uh, Jack and uh, Rose, right? Yeah. So, even though it's part of a uh, true events, right? Titanic being uh, based on a true, you know. Uh, yeah. The, you know, their their story is fiction, so I feel like sometimes, even though it's fiction, sometimes as filmmakers, you ask yourself, like, there, ha- there still has to be a logic to it, you know, you can't, yeah. unless it's science fiction, but even of science fiction, you still have to, there still have to be a logic to, to the story, right? So I feel like if, uh, like, even though, like, Jack could have been on the same, you know, floating thing as Rose, yeah. right? 
and it'll be this happy ending. They get married and have kids and whatnot. It's just, I think the ending would have been so different, like very Hollywood style, you know? Yeah. And I feel like this way, it's really like more of a, they, they dramatize it, you know? Yeah. That, I think Titanic has the impact that it had. Otherwise, I think it would have, uh, you know, having a different direction and not uh, be the, the Titanic that we know as today. Yeah. I've watched that, that film like five times and I think I'm going to stop. I'm not going to watch it again because it's, uh, you know, it's it's way too much, you know? Uh, yeah, I, I have, I think I have those type of problems where it's like I only need to watch a couple of films. Like this only, well, one, Titanic is a very long movie too. And yeah. so it's, it's like close to th- maybe three and a half hours, maybe three hours plus or something like that. But it is like three hours plus. So it's like, and... You know, watching a film that's like three hours plus, he's like you only could watch it like maybe once or twice to really experience it. You know, uh, and 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 there are movies that are even longer than three hours plus that people do watch. So like I, I like, I think the longest, I think the longest movie ever recorded was like maybe twenty eight days. I think I'm not sure, but it's like some sort of documentary. Or something like that and that's how it usually is and if it's something longer than like 24 hours it's like kind of class as a documentary but and then people who go and see that it would like they would have it like uh split up in intervals so you watch like eight hours on one day and then another eight hours on another day and then another eight hours on another day and then the following week is like the same thing until it's like you're kind of like done with the movie so it's like I imagine, like, when you're watching a film that you love, it is kind of, like, draining. Because there are a lot of movies I do love, but I watch them very sparringly because, you know, I don't really don't want to be, uh, uh, what's the term? Like, overly, like, over, like, I want to enjoy other movies, but I have these movies, you know, like, I have comfort movies. But if I keep on watching these movies, like, at some point, it's like, these don't really have the, the same type of impact as they do previously. You know, it helps to, if I'm watching, like, different type of movies, of course. But everything else is just, like, I'm definitely one of those type of people who were, like, I want to watch something that's, like, I haven't watched in years. And then if something happened to be related to that thing and it happens to be one of my favorite movies, sure enough, I'm like, you know what? I'll put on this as a, um appetizer. So when I go into my next movie, that's sort of, like, the same thing that I'll be, you know, watching. So it's like, again, it, it's weird being, I mean, it's not weird, but it's, it's fun being a filmmaker, but at the same time, just trying not to overindulge yourself with all this film and at the same time, kind of like, hey, you know what? I just want to watch one, one, one of my favorite films for, for tonight. And then it's like, you know, I've watched, um, Reservoir Dogs, you know, who may, you know, uh, how many, you know, how many times now? Probably like a bunch of times now. Probably like maybe like six or seven times, like in my life. Like I'm not like one of those people who who've seen it like twenty times or something like that. You know, if it's a boring night, <laughs> and that, if I find a DVD, it's like you know what? I haven't watched this movie in like years, so I'm gonna put it on, see how everything is, and then suddenly it's like I I know why I like this movie from like when I was young and all that stuff, but. You know, compared to a movie where people are like, oh, I've seen like this movie twenty times in theaters. I'm like, how do you five like uh, like five times, even three times? I think it, it's it's too many times, you know. And I feel like sometimes, 
like when you don't know what to watch and you just don't want to keep looking, you just, oh, you know what? I've seen Titanic. I know it's good. I'm going to watch it. You know what I mean? But yeah. I, I don't think I could watch a movie that's like more than five times. It's just, you know, I, I get bored easily anyway. So, um, but I don't, I don't know. Tarantino, it's really not, uh, I'm not a fan of his movie. I, I, I don't know. It's just not, um, I think I've watched uh, his most recent one. Uh, once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah. And I uh, I got bored. I, I went to movie theater. I remember that was 2019, right? 2019. 2019. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Quentin Tarantino is in a quiet taste. It's like like there are filmmakers that are essentially like a quiet taste is everything. Like you might not like the, his style of films, but every so often you might uh, you might like a film of theirs that they may have done that wouldn't be you know uh you know uh like a good example of this is steven spielberg you know a few weeks ago i was watching the terminal and the terminal isn't really watched it too like two three times i think of, of tom hanks yeah yeah and i watched it, it as like you know it, one it's a romantic uh, type of movie and steven spielberg isn't like the type of director you would think he would do a like a full-on like romance type of movie but it's also like a comedy too and and son new york too so th there you go too and but i'm watching i'm like wow it kind of like i haven't watched that movie in like maybe when it came out in like 2004 2000 no you know, i came out on video in 2004 2005 around at the time and Rewatching it and especially going into what's been happening and relate, you know, with the news and everything, I'm like a lot of it does hold up. It's like, and but as a style choice, it's like you would not think that you know uh, Steven Spielberg doing a romantic uh, type of movie would be on the same level as like say you know Raiders of the Lost Ark or Jurassic Park or. But that, that's that's what same, I part, yeah. Brian, stuff like that too he has different movies that they don't look the same you know what i mean i mean with tarantino you go to that movie theater and you know what to expect you know he has yeah it's kind of like he has the same movie over and over again it's just a different storyline you know spielberg uh he has like different style you know for every movie like terminal you wouldn't even think that he made it right steven spielberg yeah. And it's like, and I, I know that the movie is made based on, um, I think he, it's inspired on um, three events. Yeah. But that, that's the thing about Spielberg. Like every film that he does has something different to it. With Tarantino, it's kind of like all, uh, all his nine films, even Pulp Fiction, right? It's, you know, that you're going to expect a lot of violence, a lot of blood. And it's like, it's the same formula. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, his, like his formula is very talkative and intermixed with violence and essentially a lot of talking a lot of talking and a lot of violence essentially but when you watch a steven Spielberg type of thing you, you just get like a sense of magic essentially when you're watching it uh, a good example is this is ridley scott who i love as a director and he's done movies like alien uh troy uh kingdom of heaven i think he did the Blade Runner, right? Yeah, Blade Runner, too. Uh, and and one of the things I love about Ridley Scott is he's always uh, pushing himself as a director. And I was just watching something about uh, one of his films that came out like 
I think almost 10 years ago, the counselor, and he was just joking about it. It was like, you know, have I gone too much on this film? Because it, the, like the counselor is a very violent movie and, but it's also, it's a very dark movie. So you would think that Ridley Scott would be perfect for this because, you know, it blends the, like the very, a very bleak type of storyline, but also blends in a very violent storyline. And you would not think that Ridley Scott would do like the type of violence that it would be shown in the movie. And he does it rather, ra- you know, rather well. So yeah, there are directors that are, are very formulaic, whereas this is a, like, you know, same thing as like, you know, if you're watching a Christopher Nolan movie, you know, you're going to get into a whole thing about, you know, what's really happening in this movie. You know, it's like, is anything really happening in this movie? If he's what if you're watching a Christopher Nolan movie that isn't like, say, something that's like kind of like turning your brain into mush and you're watching something like a, a comic book movie of his, you know, like, say, The Dark Knight or, you know, Dark Knight Rises, you're like, OK, you know. It's a very fun movie. It's like, he, you know, he does it very uh, stylistically. And then, you know, he's obviously doing, you know, his same sort of trademarks on this film. So, yeah, it definitely does help. You know, it doesn't it definitely does help when you're a filmmaker and kind of like notices this, the same type of things when you're watching a movie. But at the same time, as a filmmaker, you kind of like it, you know, it does help with all that stuff, too. But yeah, I want, speaking, I want, yeah. But yeah, speaking of film, uh, filmmaking. Uh, uh, but the other films that I made, you know, Hot Seeds, Phenomenal Woman, and Creative Writing, all fiction, uh, two of them comedies. Um, it's, you know, like during college, and it's a different, yeah. it's a totally different experience because in college you have the equipment. You, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, it was like we were all students, right? So it's like an experiment. And, you know, we had, we, we yeah. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but I was kind of like, uh, this actually relates back to a previous guest. Uh, uh, they were all talking about how when you're filming in college, you kind of like have the space too, where it's just like, you, uh, you know, it's like, hey, I want to have a classroom scene. Is there any classrooms around here that is uh, unlocked and are they empty? And just film it within the span, like say, you know, an hour or so. Uh, I imagine filming in college, and and I know you went to City College. I imagine having a, a campus like that being a vastly interesting place to shoot because as a filmmaker, you're probably like, oh, I would love to shoot like right up here. You know, uh, th- there's a nice little uh, walkway between campuses and all that stuff. And like, uh, you know, like as someone is walking, I just imagine someone like, like. I imagine, like the moment you're filming on campus, compared to say filming on location to some put in, and I will get this in a, I will get to this in a couple of minutes once we go into jump. Uh, well, once we jump into jump, I should say. <laughs> uh, but I imagine filming on campus is a lot of fun because one, you have all the tools and tricks that you need. Because, you know, it's the, the campus uh, film department helping you out and all this stuff. You know, if you need a camera, just say, hey, we need a camera and we just loan you, loan you a camera for the day and then make sure to bring it back and all that stuff. Or, And then, you know, it's but compared to when you want to film like on your own, you got to be like, OK, do I have a camera? 
how much is that camera going to cost? You know, do, you know, you know, what is my budget and all that stuff compared to on campus and as a class, as a student, where it's like everything is just literally at the the tip of your fingertips. I think that's that's one that's the reason why I was able to make so many movies uh, while in college. I made like five, and uh, you know because when you go to film school, your exams is going to be at the end of the semester. You have to make like two or three films. You know that's. Yeah. And that's the beauty of film school because you learn so much, you know, uh, there and you meet, you know, your classmates and the networking. And but the most uh, important part is that we had uh, the equipment, you know, yeah. could take. I think it was like two or three days where you could take the equipment home. And I actually one of my films is two actually, created oh. a phenomenal woman where. Uh, filmed on campus, you know, and I had, uh, you know, my my uh, my classmates being in the film as extras, and I had help from the professors, and that's that was a totally different experience. Yeah, went outside of college, right, and made jump because I don't have any equipment. You know, renting equipment is very expensive. Oh yeah, I, I imagine so. Right, paying the actors, the crew. Well, in college, we, we help each other, you know, like yeah. we had like, a, let's say a student, like a classmate, right? Did sound, another one did camera, uh, another one uh, edited my movie and so on and so forth. And it was, I could, I made a film like in a, in a month, you know, everything. We shot in a three or four days and then in one month it would be like edited and ready to screen, you know. With Jump, it took me one year. Yeah, to make this film, which is, um, you know, it's it's unusual for me because I work, uh, I like to work fast. You know, I don't like to to postpone. I don't like to delay a, a movie. You know, like especially for short. For me, it's like okay, film a short in like two weeks. Let's say one month. You know, if there is any problem, yeah. and then just move to editing, and then I could move on to other project. Jump, we had. Uh, so many issues and I guess you know not being truly like very experienced you know because you just come from the college and it's your first film you learn you make all the mistakes that you have to make and it, which is it, you know I'm grateful that yeah. I'm, because you're not gonna learn filmmaking from books or uh, just from like watching a movie you know like yeah you can analyze a movie you could learn from books and things like that but to to really learn the craft you have to you be, have be on set be on set otherwise you're not you know you're not going to be able to uh, to solve problems that might that might come you know like for example on jump right we shot um, most of the scenes are on location right and yeah as you know um, there's a subway scene and we don't have for that scene we did not have a film permit yeah, right? and uh, it's a huge risk, right? Because you bring your actors, you bring your your whole team, and then a police officer comes to you and, and tells you that you cannot film, which which it happened. And I somehow was able to talk to him, telling him that it's a student project, and <laughs> we're going to film there like twenty minutes, and we're gonna be out. The thing is that I remember, uh, you know, one professor told me once that in New York City. As long as um, 
your camera is not on a tripod, you can actually film in public spaces. And I remember that. <laughs> so, yeah. and I told him, look, we don't have a tripod, you know, uh, we don't have any lights. Uh, it's just one, uh, uh, you know, one short scene and uh, we're gonna film really quick and leave. And of course we film more than an hour. And uh, towards the end of the scene, we had an MTA employee came to tell us that we can't film and then it's, it's just I mean we had to had to leave you know but luckily we were able to get everything we needed you know but that's this you know gorilla style filmmaking it's very risky you know you have to have a lot of courage and it's uncomfortable because it's a public space people were coming on the subway right yeah and it was one of the busiest subway like uh, Times Square oh god <laughs> Imagine trying to um, coordinate all these people, uh, tell them, oh, you can't, <laughs> you can't get on this uh, uh, subway car, move to another one. Because we had our own actors. We had like 15 um, actors, background actors, who were supposed to be the passengers. Uh, yeah. not, you know, like we couldn't use real people because first of all, uh, the, uh, the, the action in the film takes place in the summer and we shot that scene in October. People were just having, you know, uh, heavy jackets and it, it wouldn't be possible. So we had to bring our own people. And, um, but we did it, you know, we were, we were able to do it. But what if uh, I couldn't convince that, you know, uh, police officer to, to let me film? Imagine how much money lost because you can't, you still have to pay the crew and the actors, you know, because yeah. they arrived on set and uh, it's, it, you know, it's a lost day. Uh, for the Central Park scene, we had a permit, uh, you know, we got it fast and uh, that, you know, was possible to, to shoot there. But as an, in the, I think in general, being an independent filmmaker, you know, you have to, do a lot of gorilla style, you know, unless unless you have a big budget, but we didn't, you know, so we had to work with what we had. And uh, that's, that's, I think it's the main struggle being, uh, you know, an independent filmmaker. It's because you don't have the money and then you have to be creative. You have to film gorilla style, you know, go on the street and just take the camera and film, which yeah. for the most part, except Central Park, you know. I remember doing a student film like a few years ago for one for essentially one of my film production classes and I needed to do it at camp you know at my campus but I wasn't feeling well that day so I had to you know do everything else uh, I didn't have a partner the partner already had a new partner so she didn't really you know uh, need me on all that stuff even though I, I emailed her saying hey we we uh, should go over to another day where it's like we had enough time on the hands, all that stuff. So it's like, no, it's all right. I already, you know, got that all filmed, you know, filmed out and all that stuff. And, you know, filming. So I, you know, my brother helped me out and we filmed around the house and filming around my, you know, uh, around my house, you know, it's like it's an area I know. So it'll be much more easier for me to film because I don't need to, you know, worry about permits and everything else because I'm filming the thing. And once we're on the sidewalk, you know, I can just walk all the way down the block and then walk to the, you know, be very handheld, you know, it's like you don't need anything else. 
So, yeah, I imagine when you're filming out on the street or filming out in a uh, a location or a public area, it's a little harder to do because, you know, you have a camera crew. You have, like, maybe three or four people, maybe even ten people. No, not ten people behind you, but, like, maybe five people behind you helping you out. And then you have the actors. You have maybe a couple background actors, maybe something like that. But I imagine all that stuff is, you know... You know, it's a necessary compared to saying, you know, not having a crew at all and just being like essentially the grill style filmmaker where it's just like you do everything by yourself aside from acting. Where it's just like you film, you add, you uh, set up the lights, you do everything else. So when you do have a, even though it is essentially grill style filmmaking you do, you still have a, uh, a crew still helping you out compared to people who actually do it like maybe, maybe, one or two people, maybe even three people in terms of a crew. So, yeah. I imagine that is much more helpful, Go, you know, especially as a director when it's just like, hey, you know, we're filming in Central Park today. It shouldn't be that long. Let's film as much as we could for Central Park. And, and if we need an extra day or so, we'll get a permit and stuff like that, too. Oh, yeah, that's what we did. We, we filmed there two days and uh, you know like I, I i never even thought possible that you could film in central park because i remember at the time the dp told me there is no way you're going to be able to get a permit and so fast you know and i did a little bit of research you know who to contact and yeah and, and there was this amazing woman she was like you know because uh, i told her it's a really like a uh, small project, you know, we're not gonna have cranes, we're not gonna have big equipment that's going to disrupt, uh, you know, the park goers, you know, like we're not going to block anything. It's yeah. just a, a tripod, we had a, and really we had like a, a tripod, a camera, the, you know, the boom pole, the actors, and, uh, you know, uh, someone sitting with the equipment and, uh, you know, what the food all the way up. And, uh, you know, she was she was this amazing woman. She was like, uh, you know, um, I'll let you film. I'll give you the permit. You just um, and we made a donation, and uh, we we were able to. But like, if you see in the film, we were not all the way in the central park, right? We are right at the entrance, right? And uh, at the time, like the moment you start filming, you just have to ask people. Could you please like just wait, you know, like a minute or two, so okay. they don't, you know, they're not in the frame. And uh, but Central Park was, we that's when all the uh, we start having all the technical problems, you know. Yeah. So it ended up filming in that spot three times, you know. Yeah, I, I imagine filming in a park mm -hmm. would be very chaotic to say this, uh, to like an actual park to to, to say at least was one. You, you know, is the light correct? Because one, you got sunshine coming in through the trees, and then as you're filming, the sunshine could be literally be moving moving into a new direction. So it's like, as you're filming the thing, all of a sudden it's like, hey, uh, Matt, just move over here. Thank you. So you just be more still in the thing, and then, okay, we're back to filming and all that stuff. We use all that Andy filters we use, I think, like two, but we had some issues with those filters because of the sun, and also we had a very well camera, uh, black yeah. magic, uh, I think it was the first model, whatever. And uh, it caused a lot of issues, so I was like, you know what, I can't be 
doing this, like bringing the cast and the crew and not being able to film. So uh, I decided that we're gonna have to, to change the camera. And then when it comes to editing, we're just gonna have to color correct it in such a way that the people won't see the difference. You know, so with Jump, we ended up using three cameras. We have uh, Blackmagic, we have a Red, and we have a Sony. Oh, nice. And, um, yeah, and... Uh, Which I, I imagine will be very high in terms of a rental. Right, well, we had, you know, the DP, you know, came with his own camera, and then, yeah, you, you paid um, a little extra more for the person who has also the equipment, because... Uh, at the beginning, we, we rented, but it's like it's, it's really expensive. That's why uh, we ended up paying more than what we anticipated. But yeah, it's, um, you know, so these issues, you know, like that's that's the beauty of uh, being on set, you know, because you learn, uh, you learn on your own, you know, what problems there could be and how to solve them. And like you said about this, uh, shooting in the in the public right we have that scene where uh, the clown walks right and he, yeah. he the, a big group of people right those people are real people those are not extras uh, i couldn't possibly afford neither i or or uh, the producer who financed the project uh, to pay so many people so we decided that uh, it's best that we have the actor and it's very uncomfortable too you know like it, it's like that's why I'm amazed uh, by actors because it's so such an uncomfortable moment even on the subway you know to just be there among people right everybody's staring at you uh, being uh, wearing a, a clown outfit so he was just there among people I just told him you're just gonna have to walk right your usual walk among these people, like you're a New Yorker, and that's that's how we got that scene, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, real people. Now, yeah. you mentioned that it took, like, over a year to essentially with production thing, but when you were writing the, the short film, how long did that take? Yeah, how long did it take to essentially come up with the idea of Jump and then writing the, the, the feature itself, especially since... Short films are like when you script a short film, it's like maybe depending if it's like, and this doesn't have that much dialogue. It has like, it has dialogue, but it doesn't have that much dialogue where it's just like pages upon pages upon pages of dialogue. Whereas it was like, you know, you have like minutes of like screen time devoted to these two people talking and whatnot. But it helps that uh, the film, at least to my recollection, it is very minimalistic in terms of dialogue. When you were writing the script, how long did it take you to write the script? Like, how long did it take you to get the idea that you wanted to do this film and then transfer, I mean, and then essentially write that idea into a script? Short scripts, uh, no, short screenplays, I, I don't take a long time. It, I, it takes me longer to go back and delete certain scenes or uh, change the dialogue. But, like, when I, when I have an idea, I just write down pretty quick. And I think it took me like the editing going back and forth because I'm not going to write a script and just be happy with it. You know, I'm kind of uh, a perfectionist and that's <laughs> that's uh, that's not a good thing, you know, because you become so obsessed, you know, and uh, going back and forth, you know, and at some point you have to, you know, you have to stop and be like, you know what, the, the screenplay is done. 
you have to to go into production. So I think it took me like with the editing and everything. I think almost three months, you know. Hmm. And um, I planned this film to be done in three months total, you know, like yeah. after screenplay, you know, because I don't I don't count. Uh, for me, production happens after the screenplay, you know. Yeah. So the screenplay, I have the pre-production and everything else. But once production starts, the film has to be, you know, uh, shot and edited, like, because it's a short film, right? Yeah. Three months. So I plan this film to be done by the end of 2019, right? Because that's, that's when we started. And uh, it was just not possible. We had, we took a break, right? You film it, edit it, and then it's released into the uh right and then we and that didn't happen because we had to take a break right uh, we, yeah. um like we had the issues you know with uh filming and also you know the money because we didn't have we anticipated a different budget right yeah much much smaller than what uh, it came to be so we had to take a break, gather more funds, uh, and uh, then uh, resume the, the filming. So, and plus uh, shooting, you know, uh, we had some reshoots, changing the camera, finding, you know, all that new equipment. Uh, it took us like almost a year, you know, hmm. to, to, make, to make this film. And then also the editing, the editing, took also a very long time because yeah i imagine so, i imagine you said you wanted to film get this like done out of 2019 and then suddenly when you do have to film uh like essentially filmed and whatnot pandemic struck and then suddenly it's like you gotta deal with uh how do you edit film during a pandemic when you know i imagine you had people in mind to edit this film and then suddenly it's like oh uh I'm currently living in California, not you know, I can I, I you know, can I help you know, like that sort of thing. Well, the editing the editing took a long time because we had some creative differences for you know, the editor, you know, I wanted to take a different uh, direction of this film. And also the color grading. Like I said, we had three different cameras. We had to make sure that um, there's no difference, right? Yeah. That it looks the same, but also, do you hear the noise? There is. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's some construction here. Ah. So there were some issues of color spilling. We had some color spilling, and um, we had to go frame by frame fixing those color spillage. Should I close the window? Yeah, if you want. Yeah, it's interesting. Right now, these people. <laughs> That's a good thing. That this is going to be edited, right? Let's oh, yeah. Trust me, and I and I do all the editing too. So it's like <laughs> <coughs> trying to do everything by myself. It's like what we were just saying before. It's like trying to do everything by yourself, and you know, it's 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 an easy you know relatively easy job because i work on my own schedule but having someone else who could probably help me you know but like it would be a lot more 
it'd be essentially another discussion for another time. It was like, hey, you know, uh, would I need somebody to, you know, edit all this stuff, you know, especially if they were an experienced editor, you know, how much would I be paying them, all that stuff. So it's like. Yeah, I, I prefer to work with a crew. I feel like even though I've done, I wore more than one hat, you know, I've been like directing and also assisting directing myself, you know, because you don't, in a, a independent film of a small budget, you don't, you can't have, you know, all the people you need, right? Yeah. So, more things, but I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't film, for example, myself or edit myself. Uh, it's just because, especially if you've been on set and you, you're too much into it, you know, and you cannot see it from a different perspective, you know? And yeah. so like, I know, I know some, I have some friends who, um, I like to write, act, direct, and uh, honestly, I don't know how, how you do it. How do you direct yourself? You know, because you can't uh, see yourself, right? Yeah. So, so what happens basically, there are compromises. You have to compromise certain aspects, like if you focus on, let's say, DP, right? If you're a director of photography and also a yeah. director, uh, where do you put your focus on the actors, you know, on the performance, or on the shot so you have great cinema, you know? Yeah, I imagine, yeah, I imagine like trying to do something like I, and I know people who do this like all by themselves and they're able to do it with gusto, but at the same time, I think it's just along the lines of, I think it's also what we've been taught in college is that when you're working in college especially in a group it's like it's a well knit machine i mean i mean a world oil machine and then essentially once you're out on the world you know you have to know all these classmates who you know have to help you in the past and you want to do a short film in you know short you know a short movie or a feature film is like would they be able to help me as a, i would as i have helped them in the past as a classmate well, I, I could answer that question. It's um, it depends if your classmates continue to pursue filmmaking because the reality is many uh, just choose different fields, you know, like they just decide that it's not for them because yeah. that, that's about you know, like you see so many people they go and it's like you know what I, I studied this but it's not it's not my call, you know. Yeah, I imagine it'd be, it's a much more, like, that's the same thing with theaters. I, I met talented people behind the scenes and in front, and as actors who just don't do anything past their degree, and then suddenly it's like, oh, you know, uh, a few, you know, I catch up with them a few years later, and it's like, oh, I really haven't done acting. I'm just more along the lines of, uh, I worked in a, um office now, so, yeah, that's my life. So if you're not interested anymore in filmmaking, not able to reach to them and, and and it's also like you know everyone moves on they have their own lives and it's going to be harder to, to get help and especially if you want them to help you you know for free so it's like it, it's very hard i mean i i still keep in touch with uh, my classmates i mean not all of them um you know but not not many are willing to you know to come help you on set you know because they have their own jobs their own problems and i had actually a few a few classmates 
came uh, during my last scene. I needed, you know, my last scene takes place in a theater, so I needed uh, people to play, um, you know, to be background actors to be the audience. Yeah. So a few people came, but it, yeah, it really, really depends how long since you went to school, you know, because as you, as time goes by, it's just, you get more distant and distant from, from your classmates, you know, that's. Yeah. And I, I think that's a sad truth about going to college and because you might meet someone great one semester and then the next semester they're just not there anymore because one, you know, it just depends on the type of class you have. It's like I've met great people in random classes, like in a music class, and then suddenly in the next semester, I don't have, I don't need it, that music class anymore because I already took it. And then suddenly it's like I'm back to my regular regular classes. And you know, the people that you meet in college, you know, they're fun. But I think it's also a way to actually network yourself too. Whereas it's like, oh, you know, uh, I, you know, back in my music class, I think I met people who were probably maybe music you know like music not producers but musicians like people who study music and stuff like that too and i, I when i say musicians i said you know violin i don't know why but but yeah it's I, that's the sad truth is that you meet people in college and then suddenly those people in college they may be able to help you out depending on uh if they're not busy or if they are still good friends with you or not because i've had friends or associates in the past that would just be like well that that bridge is is burned do not use that bridge anymore you know that sort of thing because you don't because yeah because you know you don't want to be in the in their you know bullshit again where it's just like you know this person might be a good person to use but at the same time they are fairly difficult to work with because of their own process or they're just like, they come, you know. Well, it's very important yeah. to have people on your team that they think alike, right? That yeah. they have the same um, pace, right? And, uh, you know, like, I heard so many stories and I even, it happened to me too, when you really, you're going to damage a friendship uh, on set, you know? Especially yeah. if you bring a friend who who's not who doesn't know uh, what it is to be on set, you know, because being on set is it's very hard, you know, yeah. it's a pressure, and you're basically not yourself, you know. It's it's I don't know, it's this different environment, and if you have someone on set, which I had a friend uh, who wanted to become a doctor, uh, like he had no idea what filmmaking is, and you yeah. Know, so initially, like we had to, um, our friendship, you know, get damaged because of it, you know, because you don't, when you, you are on set and you have these uh, differences, right? Yeah. It, and it's not, then it's, especially if someone's sensitive and takes it personal, it's just not, it, it's better not to, to involve your friends, you know, in filmmaking. Yeah. And everybody says so that, like, if you want to make a film, just don't involve your friends, you know, because you're like, oh, you know what? My friend is an actor, you know? Yeah. And, and if your friend is an actor and you have to direct him or her and, you know, something doesn't work, on set, it's just, it's just going to affect your friendship or your relationship and it's not. Yeah. You know, or just work with, unless the friend is a professional actor and can uh, separate the friendship from the work, you know? Yeah. If the friend, 
uh, you are my friend. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take uh, you know instructions from you seriously. You know. So if you are not taken seriously because I'm, um, you know, you are my friend, it's just it's not gonna work, and it affects the friendship and also affects the movie. And it's just. Um, I think you have to be careful because I, I heard many many stories from that. It's like the, it's the same thing that happens with theater stuff. It's like I've seen friendships uh, and people just like come to blows on a, on a theater set because of their uh, friendships, or if they if they aren't professional, not, and they're just using the the clout that that they got because of the fact that they knew someone who just got them the job because they were their friend, rather than you know uh, that sort of thing too. So yeah, uh, but at the same time. That is just the nature of the business, and you can't really help that because you know you want to be you know you want to be successful as a filmmaker, and sometimes, in order to do that, you have to uh, uh, what, what's the term? Uh, crap, I forgot the term. But yeah, in order to be successful as you have to essentially, uh, there's a good analogy that I'm trying to think of. I can't really think of the analogy, but like you want to be successful as a as a filmmaker or an actor or a writer or what have you, especially in the performing arts, but you have, you essentially have to make not really, uh, you have to really put some of the friendships you have on a back burner, especially if you go in trying to be a successful actor and whatnot. Because sometimes there'll be friends who want to like say, Hey, you know, you're an actor now. Can you, you know, put me in a, a position where it's like, put me in the show or something like that. I'm like, that's, you know, that's, Okay, uh, it's good you mentioned that uh, because I'm like I'm a filmmaker, right? And I have friends who uh, are actors, right? Yeah. And, like, and I had actually uh, a thing like that happen, uh, jump, you know? Yeah. So, you know, like uh, I could, you know, play the clown. I was like, yeah, sure, like come, you know, to the casting, you know? And I knew that he wasn't right for for the yeah. role. Know? and he was my friend but I was like you can't I'm like you can't it's just not right for you you know and then how do you go from there you know because I mean yeah. I know the person is my friend but at the same time I want to do justice to the movie and it's like you know I had so many actors coming and actually for the the role of the clown I even had a few women uh, who came to audition uh, it would have been interesting to have a woman as a clown because it's so different and I would have wanted that uh, and but again we just we had a we had a woman she was a former uh, circus clown and she was an excellent juggler and but she just was not you know right for 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 this role yeah and when Alfred because that's his real name it's an interesting coincidence you know his real name is also Alfred you know <laughs> playing Alfred I remember when he, he came to casting because he came like three times, you know, because I wasn't, you know, you have to be sure, you know, because uh, the first impressions are, are different. So uh, for the callback, he so he told me like, you know what, like I really identify with this character because I feel like I am him because he's an actor and he's almost uh, at the time he was, I think, 49 and uh, it was like, you know, he's 49 years old and he's still struggling to um, yeah, his breakthrough, right? Because he had some roles, you know. He he even had a, I think um, he was in a pilot for a, an Amazon TV show that didn't get picked up. So he also had a few 
he acted in a few feature uh, movies uh, and also shorts. And uh, you know, he he's he's a good actor, but he did not have his you know he's not what he wanted to be. And I and you can see you know when he plays the role that he really um, or am I, I might be biased you know because I cast him, but. <laughs> <laughs> I, and yeah, I think as the director, you have a, a vision to what character that you want to do. And if some friend of yours is to say, hey, you know, I could be the clown if you want and all this stuff. They just want to do that because one, you know, they hear you making a film. But at the same time, it's like, like what you just said before, there will be, you know, roles for things that would just not be suitable for a care you know for people that you know especially if they are your friend or not you know and this is the same thing where it's just like you know a few years ago i was casting a play of mine and sure enough uh i casted two great leading ladies one was my friend uh, oddly enough because i went through essentially five or seven different female, you know, since it was a two lady German things, you know, they definitely, it definitely was something that was, I need two actresses that really convey the message that I'm looking for. And sometimes it does help that if it is a friend, they could be very professional and you know, put that friendship aside and just be like a professional actress or an actor or something like that too. But if it's just a friend who was just looking to get a job, just to be, you know, just to say, hey, I have this job on my resume. I worked with him in the past. They put it, you know, put it out for me. I've seen that happen in the past. So yeah, it definitely does. I don't want to say it hurt you, but it does like put a little. A, a damper on what you're trying to do because as a director you have a strict vision on what you want to do and then suddenly once the the word is you know once the word is out that say hey i'm doing a movie you know it's a short movie it's like suddenly all the people who you don't haven't talked to in like maybe five years or so it's like hey you're doing a movie come on put me in like i imagine that like that happens and i imagine like yeah uh, if it's like maybe a short scene and i'm like i'm literally I have no one else to put in the background. It's like, hey, you know what? Are you free today? I need a little background person. So it's like, just act like you, if you need to, like, just act like you're in a restaurant. And meanwhile, you know, here's me directing, you know, the other actors and whatnot. And, you know, again, it, it, it's. I mean, what I do is I, I just I give them the chance. You know, I didn't it, say no. I was like, you know, you'll be here. The, you know, the casting takes place. You know, um, that, you know, come to the casting, and then and then we'll see because I can't I can't tell you uh, I you can't play the role without seeing it. You know. Yeah. Say, some are really professional and they are good, right? Like they're excellent for that role. And then on set, they are just like, oh, she's she's my she's my friend. I'm not going to take her seriously. You know, like it's like you know some people have a problem with. Of following certain instructions because like it or not you still have to do what the director says even I, I my actors to improvise and i even work with this actor on some lines that he he thought that it's not um, it's not natural you know because some people you know every person talks in a certain way right and when you have this yeah. character, right when you meet the actor and the actor in the real life would not 
I mean, if you are a great actor, of course, you're able to, you know, uh, get into the character. But like for some actors, I noticed they just some lines which just don't come naturally to them. And you can feel that, you know, and yeah. then I'm like, OK, how would you say it? You know, like it doesn't matter for me, it doesn't matter. It has to be the same exact line, you know, as long as it means that, you know, it means yeah. the same. You could it's change words, just talk in your own words. And uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it really, I, I guess it depends. You know, if a friend, if you have an actor friend and he or she is a professional, I, I guess there wouldn't be you know, an issue. You know, it really depends of, um, you know, how mature and how experienced, how seasoned the actor is, you know. Uh, I know we're kind of like getting up for time because I said I wanted to talk to you for like an hour or so, but we're kind of like close to like almost like a half an hour. But but that's because of uh, problems you na haven't even noticed that, that weren't even cut out because of editing. <laughs> uh, but Nally, I mean, Nally, uh, Nally, that uh, thank you for. Uh, oh, before we go, go, uh, I have three other questions that are fairly easy. One, do you have any social media that you want to plug? Uh, yes, I do have, <laughs> you know, as a filmmaker to not have social media, that is... Um, That's a crime. <laughs> right, because some of my actors, the main actors, they don't have social media now. I'm like, you're an actor, you know, how else are you going to promote your... Um, your work. <laughs> well, but yes, I do have social media. I have uh, both Facebook and uh, Instagram. And, um, it's uh, Instagram is Natalia. Korea, right? Natalia dot Korea, or no, Natalia underscore Korea, but and Facebook, it's you now the same. Uh, the like, same, yeah. yeah. Uh, now, do you have any advice to those who are especially aspiring filmmakers who are trying to go into the into the filmmaking industry, especially with uh, with what have you for the past like year and a half? Well, if you you know if you really like filmmaking right because it's like it's not it's not easy right it's a yeah. cut, uh, industry right it's, it's, a industry. Right, it's very hard so I feel like only people who really can handle the pressure and can handle this type of environment could uh, is, is are those people who clearly are super passionate about this you know and I feel like if you you know, really want to make a film is just go and, and do it. You know, there is no other way. There is no, you know, cutting corners of this, you know. And uh, there's always, even though, you know, like um, I know, you know, most of, uh, you know, filmmakers that I meet and it's always like this, you know, struggling with money. There is always so many like um, programs and grants and, uh, you know, that you can sponsor yourself and, uh, make movies but yeah you just just go for it just don't delay uh, write the screenplay and you know pitch it somewhere because like some, you know some people like i i usually like to do it myself i do my screenplay and i go to direct there are many people that who can't do that they could just like you know uh, pitch it and have someone else you know like there are so many networks right now that you know are looking for new ideas and new scripts so yeah i think that, that's my advice it's just like go for it you know why not i and mean you're not gonna know until you try you know it's like oh yeah and know. like i'm currently doing that with something that, uh, i'm trying to like revise a screenplay that i wrote like several like a few years ago for um uh, what's it called a uh, film class from like my first film like screenwriting class so it was like a little hard to do and and 
it's like what you said before. You're kind of like it's there's that professional uh, profess, per, professionalism that I mean not there's that perfectiveness necessary as a screenwriter is like am I doing is like as I'm reading the thing it's like all that stuff. But yeah, uh, again that's that's that advice not overthinking you know because a lot of people are like you know i have this great idea for this film you know because i just uh, you know i remember having this friend for like, who was always talking about oh, having this idea about this film but there was always something you know not right like oh you know it's not the right time what is so it's like the more you postpone it right it's yeah. just you, you it's further away from becoming reality so it's just don't procrastinate, you know, uh, take action and just go for it, you know, and right. it happens. And my last question, uh, aside from Jump, do you have any other uh, short films or anything that are in, oh, what happened? Oh, do you have any short films that are essentially in the works or about to be uh, taken off? I mean, that about to essentially take off? Well, right now I'm having a few, um, short screenplays i mean because i i go from screenplay to screenplay you know i'm not um, you know i don't i don't write a screenplay i finish it and then go to another one i have like a few few you know outlines for a few shorts but my main my main goal right now for the near future is to make a feature film yeah so while i figure out the logistic and how do i find the funds do I get a sponsor? Do I pitch it? Or whatever to make this a uh, feature length film, I'm, uh, I'm going to make a few shorts. And um, hopefully if everything uh, goes well, uh, by the end of this year or beginning of 2022, uh, 2022 I could uh, have my short film, you know, another short film. Nice, nice. I have, I have a few ideas. You know, when I went back home and I had so... Uh, Feeling so inspired right now, you know. <laughs> oh that, yeah, oh yeah, that's right. That uh, I there was another question I wanted to ask, but that's probably I'll probably ask that question the time when we go and actually meet each other for that uh, uh, for one of the film festivals things uh, next month. So I probably have that time to, to actually do that because I literally forgot about what the question was, but that's for another time. But yeah, uh, Nat, thank you for being a guest today uh, for this podcast. I know we ran long, but because of like what you said before, there were troubling issues with doing your short film, and there was a, a few troubling issues today with filming this thing. So I feel like uh, a good way to end this is that theater is life, folks, but film, at least film, we could edit out our mistakes. <laughs> Take care, everyone. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me, and um, looking forward to see this. <laughs>